Oh, I didn't see you there. Well, as you know, this is measure of an episode. Our continuing mission is to explore what makes a Star Trek episode a good Star Trek episode and not just good TV. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Paul. And the last episode, we took the, uh, the randomizer gave us Terra Prime, which is the second to last episode of season four of Enterprise. Um, and the blurb was, Paxton threatens to destroy Starfleet headquarters unless all aliens leave Earth. Enterprise must shut down an array on Mars, but it is well defended. Now, when we started the episode, it started with a previously on, and I know that season four went a lot more serial, so we assumed that this was just part of an ongoing series arc. However, as I was researching, I learned that it was a second part. These episodes already have a strike against them because, first of all, there was a <laughs> there was a well-established protocol for the part one, part two naming scheme for two-parters, right? You put a part right. one on part one, and then you put a part two on part two. The previous two episodes are In a Mirror Darkly, part one, yeah. and In a Mirror Darkly, part two. Yeah. <laughs> so they already knew that they were supposed to do it. Yeah, they're familiar with it. But I think this is one of these things where the random episode generator, uh, our sentient random episode generator, is having yes. a little bit more Which fun we'll with this. To. Yeah, we're having more fun with this. And so so we had to go back and watch Demons. And, right. So, and and I I had I don't know if you did this, but I watched the second part first, and then watched the first part second. I and, did, yes, yeah, which is actually kind of enlightening. It wasn't necessarily revelatory, but it did give a lot more. It just gave a lot more depth to the relationships. Um, I guess it made I'm specifically it made it more, thinking of yeah Mayweather and and his ex girlfriend. Right. So the the blurb that we did not say which is the previous episode, Trip and T'Pol learn from a woman that they have a baby. An investigation reveals the woman was a member of the xenophobic organization Terra Prime. <laughs> Spoilers. Like, that whole... Okay, so this is another spoiler uh, blurb because that's a huge moment. That's actually a, a well-crafted moment in the show because I like Flocks. I know you hate Flocks, but I like Flocks. I like when they let him shine a little bit. Sure. And he kind of shines in this reveal, but too bad because you already know what he's going to say because you read the blurb. I, I guess so. My question for you is what what constitutes a spoiler? Because those two things are revealed within the first third of with, within the first act. Sure. Of the first episode. Yeah. So I, I think that anything that is constructed and engineered in an episode to have some sort of emotional impact, whether it happens in the first five minutes or at the end of the episode – it's still it's still being structured in such a way to to have that impact, and when you just ruin it with some text at the beginning, um, I mean, at this point, <laughs> if you're watching Star Trek and you are relying on the blurbs to see if you want it, you 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 know that you're already an idiot, right? So, <laughs> so at this point, it, it the you know jokes on you, shame on you, you know, fool okay. you seven hundred and three times. The joke's on right. you. Like, if it happen, happens in the cold open, I think. No, it doesn't happen in the cold open. It doesn't. No. But, I mean, we, we see the baby in the cold open, but there we just see that it's a Vulcan baby and everybody's talking about how, you know, what an abomination it is. Um, and we know right. nothing else. Like, because obviously Vulcans and humans, aside from the ears, look identical. So the the fact that Spock, ba Spock babies, Vulcan babies look <laughs> the same as humans. <laughs> Another cartoon that I would watch. It comes on on right after Muppet Babies. Star Trek Babies. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, just Spock Babies. Just Spock just Spock Babies. babies? All of the babies Spock, that Spock babies everywhere. Has. Yeah, right. Um, uh, yeah. 
So yes, yeah, so you're right. So, so so the that's the cold open, and we get to meet uh, RoboCop. Yeah, or Taggart for those who watch Babylon Five. Oh, very good. His name is Paxton in this, or the bad guy in Into Darkness. Yep. Start. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, he's he does not play the same guy. Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> he aged really well. Yeah, exactly. Although, would this be? I mean, could he? It, could they be the same character? They they could in theory, yeah. The like as I was saying that I realized it's the alternate universe original timeline. So that it's only seventy years, I think. And the fact that he was the bad guy in dealing with the um, the eugenics program to deal with perfection, he could have used the same stuff on himself and slowed down his aging. So theoretically yes but i'm i'm not going there (laughs) the episode kind of opens up with a speech i'm actually kind of screwed up now because i actually don't know which scenes happen (laughs) in like in the second part or the first part i'm pretty sure there's a convention happening of some kind and the whole crew of the enterprise looks like they got there late and just sort of paused on the stairs on the way down uh, yeah, not and, to interrupt. Yeah. Not to interrupt. Because <laughs> they're just standing there on the stairs. Like right. a total fire hazard. No, if way. you can if you can move and are flammable, you are not a fire hazard. <laughs> Rest in peace. Sh- what a shame. Yeah. Yeah. Um so Do you know when he died? Like right. what day he died? No. Star April first. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. Like nobody believed me. <laughs> Well, that's what the, everybody says about Andy Kaufman is that it's it's still this long con that eventually he's going to come back and be like, ta-da. Yeah, I know. Like Elvis and Michael Jackson. Like, you know, they everybody's waiting for them to come back. But at this point, they are so old. I know. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. By the way, also directed by LeVar Burton, if you didn't. I know. It. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm the one with the trivia, not you. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Uh. <laughs> I'm just going through my notes, okay? So it's... It, <laughs> oh, uh, right, because his name popped up, right? Yeah, sure. his name pops up okay. at this moment, okay. right? Right. Well, so we, we meet um, Gannett first, and after Travis and Gannett have their conversation, the camera lingers, and this disheveled woman walks by. <laughs> and Nobody notices I was yet. The, Well, I was like, I hope that she's part of the story. Otherwise, that was a really weird directorial choice <laughs> to have this random convention member just frantically walking by does she reveal that they have a baby no no there's no reveal there's just a, it's just a lot or a, a vial of hair yeah she right which you know from a bald baby i'm pretty sure right <laughs> or just it's a baby with like a a, a buzzer line cut out of it you know <laughs> how did we not see that <laughs> we feel that this may have been intentional okay so so that happens and that's kind of an act out i think and then then we show up in the we show up somewhere. I think we show up in the in the medical bay, and we find out that the baby is T'Pol's and Chips or Trips. Chip. Yep. Chip. Okay. Trip. Chip. Trip. You got it. <laughs> I got it. So Chip and, and T'Pol have a baby that they didn't know about. At this point, I was thinking to myself, having no no information as to whether or not they're still banging. I'm trying to figure out if they if they are still banging or if they ever banged because they're like, I've never been pregnant. And I don't, it's, it, it, it takes them a long time to really get to the point where they're, Oh yes, they had a relationship. It's not clear if they're still having a relationship. Right. Did you get any info? There's no hard information about what their current status 
as a couple is. No. I mean, clearly the conversation that they were having showed that it was possible for her to have gotten pregnant. So, you know, the fact that Trip is asking her this, like, he he would know whether or not they, they boinked. So... Well, it feels he, like they had a one night stand and then they're showing up and, oh, this happened. And, you know, it, it's it's almost like T'Pol is just as 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 confused as everybody else is. Right. And why T'Pol would be lying. <laughs> why? Why would she lie at this point about something like this? I mean, we're not you know, they're not she's not like a, a criminal. She's right. <laughs> she's on board the Enterprise. Why would she why would she pretend? And that that's a plot point of this episode. That Flox brings up and that I think Chip brings up too. He said, you know, they, they talk about, he and Flox talk about, well, she may have removed the embryo. Yeah, the way the way I took that was Flox was like, you're telling me that you think T'Pol did this ridiculous scenario. And, you know, and that's when Trip was kind of like, oh, well, yeah, I guess, I guess you're right. Right. Like, yeah. that, that's how I took it. I didn't, I didn't think that Flox was actually genuinely offering him a medical alternative. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess T'Pol has lied before. Actually, in the episode that we saw, she was lying. <laughs> so basically, she's <laughs> she's lying in every True. episode. So she can't be trusted. <laughs> By the way, there's somebody, the security guy, whose name I can never remember. The Enterprise security guy, who reminds me of the doctor on DS9. Right. Uh, um, he says, are you sure that it, the lady's wound was not self-inflicted? The nurse that comes in. And I'm like, right. why is that the go-to? Um, Malcolm, by the way. Oh, yeah. Good one. Good call. Did you look it up or did you just remember? Uh, yeah, it, I remembered while you were saying that. Yeah, sure you did. You're like, Paul. you can't be trusted. <laughs> <laughs> Probably looking at Facebook right now, too. That is really the only quality that Paul and I have in, in common. <laughs> so, okay, so then the three-piece suit guy at the convention, he's like the leader of this convention whose name I do not know and was not willing to go up and look up. But... The, you you will you'll go oh yeah he was the tin man from the next generation yes i did recognize the actor for sure okay, okay. and and i was like oh he he plays all these different people he's he's that guy on tv who's in everything at a certain point but you don't know his name right right, yeah. right. and so he and the cap and the captain archer are having coffee in his ready room uh on the enterprise uh-huh. And it's so weird to see somebody on a starship in a suit and tie, especially this guy, because he's like in a full on suit, three piece suit. And they're, yeah. the, what they're discussing is pretty intense. And uh, <laughs> but they're sipping espresso. And to me, it just totally subverts the tension when they're like, you will do as I say, you will not defy my orders. <laughs> you know, like, like it doesn't it just doesn't work it doesn't work that they're having coffee and it just it for some reason it worked when picard is like having tea and they they gave it as something to do with like business like it's business for picard to do when he would have his tea and talk to somebody but it was never during a tense scene they weren't fighting the borg and then he would you know he would have some tea while they were strategizing on how to defeat them right it was on moments of reflection yeah yeah and and calculation and then okay and then there's a scene with robocop where we get our first philosophy dump from him and uh-huh. this speech never changes through <laughs> robocop and the rest of his minions it never cha- we get we get this several times through both episodes where they're talking about where they're just beating us over the head about this whole eugenics thing and right. it's every it's so boring the first time i get it you do it the first time you set up his motivations but then, then you give him a little bit of depth. 
right? You give him a reason. And I thought they were going to do that when they reveal after he injects himself with something. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. They're now seeding what gets revealed in the second episode, which I saw first. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but that never changes. Their speech, where it, where it's peppered in through all of the different characters, their eugenic speech never changes. Everybody has the same opinion about it. Nobody is is halfway on it. They don't have to convince anybody either way on it. You know, I right. was kind of half expecting one right. of like Josiah or Daniel. For some reason, I remember their names, <laughs> the, the minions' names. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but I don't remember anybody else's name. I they They're always 100% following the leader. Nobody ever wavers in their philosophy. Uh, right. It's just so boring. Why not? Why not have one of them sacrifice themselves because they realized they were wrong? Well, spoiler, that, that does eventually happen, just not in the first part. Which? Which which happens? The the ensign or the lieutenant? Oh, right. What's his name? I should I should remember his name. He's a, he's a day player. Right? <laughs> he's a red shirt. Ensign Mole. We'll call him Ensign Mole because he was Perfect. a mole. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, I guess you're right. I guess he, but if we could jump all the way ahead to that, <laughs> now that we're just talking about Ensign Mole, he, he says, he's like, he's having this moment where I didn't want anybody to get hurt, but except after I killed everybody in the Shuttlecraft and everybody in the Federation, after that, I didn't want anybody to get hurt because he's the one who enables everybody like for them to enable their weapon, right? He's the one right. that, that makes it happen. So his whole reason that he, he spoilers, eventually commit suicide with a phaser to the head, which you think at this point there would be uh, safety protocols for the device. You know, they have guns now where you can't shoot it unless a certain person is holding it. So you'd think that you think that you wouldn't be able to commit suicide that way. But anyway, but it wasn't a gun to the head. It was a phaser to the head. That's what I mean. Like you shouldn't, it shouldn't, you shouldn't be able to, a phaser shouldn't be able to kill its operator. You think that that would be a safety mechanism built into it. Huh? Yeah. So anyway, that's my whole thing about the philosophy because we get several philosophy dumps throughout the throughout the show well yeah and it doesn't they they don't add anything more to it every single time they're just saying that we will be a footnote in earth's history if we allow this to happen we will become second-class citizens on our own planet if we allow this to happen we will humanity will be wiped off the face of the earth through crossbreeding and genetic mixture mixing if we allow this to happen right and by the third fourth or fifth time that we heard this this speech i was like yeah we get it, dude. And right. it's not even like a new concept. Right. They're, they're, they're obviously referencing some pretty crappy Earth stuff that happened in the 40s, right? And it's still kind of happening now, I guess. It's actually kind of a, an interesting episode to watch in today's, you know, in 2020. Right, in today's culture, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and he even goes back to, you know, the previous people who tried that are fictional using Colonel Green. Right, uh, which, was from- really, which is a- absolute proof. That our random episode generator is actually sentient. Right. Yeah, because this is the only other episode that Colonel Green is mentioned in the second to last episode of <laughs> broadcast live action TV uh, of Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. And, and we've seen of, both of them. Yeah. Right. Out of 700, I guess 702, since this was actually a part one and part two, out of 702 episodes, we have seen both of them. Um, <laughs> also, a little side note. Uh, there are nine episodes with Loaxana Troy total, and we have seen two. Wow! On episode what fourteen that we're now in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so, this is this is not preloaded. We're not picking all the crappy ones first as a joke. Like this is this is this is just random 
Random number generator. That's all it is. Yep. By the way, so there was a, I don't remember where it happens, but there's like this lizard ambassador alien guy who's talking to three-piece suit guy. And and he was super cool. I wanted an entire season of Star Trek Enterprise on that guy and his race. <laughs> oh, the guy with like the plate on his head? Yeah, 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 yeah. And you could only see kind of one of his eyes. He was obviously some sort of lizard thing right, that they were doing. Right. Or like some sort of dinosaur race. Yeah. And they obviously dubbed his lines because the actor couldn't talk through all the makeup and everything like that. And it, it sounds really weird because it's, I think it's like a British, he's British or he's doing sort of the mid Atlantic accent a little bit. But anyway, I was super taken. That was the coolest alien I've ever seen on Star Trek. <laughs> that like, I was really super cool. <laughs> yeah. And he was, uh, he was labeled as alien ambassador. So his race was not even given a, a name. Yeah. Somebody just had a cool idea or it was a leftover suit from some sort of other movie that they had access to on the Paramount lot. Right. Yeah. Okay. So Gannett is ostensibly a reporter and she is. Oh gosh, we're only there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we've been jumping around <laughs> and there's the, so this is the B plot, this whole thing with Mayweather and Gannett and yeah. To jump ahead, we learn that she is a spy for Terra Prime, or at least ostensibly she's a, a spy until later we find out she's not. But at the end of this episode, we find out she's a spy. Double agent. Right. Yeah. And the first thing that we that they beat us over the head, a lot of beating over the head in this. In this <laughs> they beat us over the head that she is a reporter and is wearing a camera around her, you know, around her head, which is right. uh, which is kind of a callback to, to Star Trek Generations, the movie. Because they have that same kind of thing happening in, in, oh, cool. in the very opening of Generations. They want to beat us over the head with it because they keep having her like walk around Mayweather as they're touring the ship. And she's like doing uh-huh. all these like Michael Bay style camera moves with her with her camera. <laughs> and like, I guess what that's you, true. Like, yeah. what are you doing? Just film them. And then there's a scene. Okay, so we have the scene where they know they need to go infiltrate the moon base. And uh, so yes. there's a point where... To Paul and Chip say, I volunteer for this. And I'm wondering to myself, okay, Chip, he's an engineer. He's not, yeah, okay. he's not a spy or an operative or even a security guy. Right. And to Paul is just a, I think at this point, she's like a lieutenant commander or something like that. She's not a fighter either, right? She's not a spy. She's not trained. She's not part of Starfleet intelligence or whatever like that. Sure. So why are they being sent in? Right? Why isn't then the security guy? The security guy, what's his name? Malcolm. Malcolm stays on the ship when they're infiltrating. Right. Right. Like, right. There seems to be a strange. I mean, obviously they did it uh, because plot conven- purposes. They yeah, needed them too. Yeah, yeah. they needed because the script said so. Right. But but like, uh, this happens a lot where Archer will go on a mission and he they're like everybody it's it's they kind of did this in Next Gen too and all of them where even though you've been trained for a specific thing. You always get to go on away missions where you're doing something outside of the realm of your training. Correct. Just because yeah. you're the main character of the show. And, right. And I just, at this point, it seems so ridiculous because there's n- neither of these people who have, been, who have been sent in to handle this very sensitive problem. Uh, you know, the, the, the fate of, of humans, I guess, or the Federation. I don't know what the stakes are. I wasn't paying that close attention. <laughs> I'm sure it was important, though. They send in a, a, an engineer. And a science yeah. officer to go do the dirty work. I, well, I, I will say, just to speak to your, you were paying attention, um, watching the second one first, the, watching the first one second, 
as we got closer to the end of the episode, I cared less and less about what was happening because it was getting to the point to things where I had already, already seen. Knew. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, there, the, the tension wasn't building. It was going, okay, and that's how we got here. That's how we got here. Got it. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> got it. Back to Facebook. <laughs> Um, I actually did watch this close to midnight. Um, oh god! Well, okay. my wife was sleeping. I was watching it on my phone, <laughs> taking like pausing it and going back over to notes and writing my notes. And then oh going back god, over. that sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah. Well, because it was sprung on us, like we were all ready to record, and then it was like, "Hey, by the way, we need to watch the first one." <laughs> so then we get some philosophy dumping from Josiah, and then we get some more philosophy dumping from RoboCop again, again. Yeah. And then it ends with his his broadcast to Earth where he's where Robocop Giving is saying, ultimatum. yeah, you got to get off the yeah. planet, which I guess they handled. I, I kind of actually liked the whole bit with taking off from the moon in their their mining ship. I, I, that was a little bit of science fiction that I enjoyed in, in this episode. Was that the comet bit or? No, that's in the second episode. The first okay. episode is where they take their I, I, I wasn't sure if this was supposed to be something that was. It, this particular ship was supposed to have warp capability or if they had retrofitted this thing to do that. Cause I got the impression that it was somewhat dangerous. And, right. and I, I, I don't know. I liked it. I, this was a little bit of star Trek or a little bit of science fiction kind of yeah. threaded into it. And then that episode finishes, right? right? That's done. Yep. Okay. And then terror so, prime starts. Yeah. So to Paul and trip, uh, were captured on Mars, right? Was it Mars or was it the moon? It was the moon. So that's, the first season or the first episode ends with them captured um, the and the the ultimatum. I mean, and that's right. And the, the, the reporter imprisoned. Right. And um, we think that she is a uh, Mayweather is is uh, he's devastated because he was he feels he's been manipulated. But what doesn't right. make any sense is she spends her entire time with Mayweather. And so the whole thread that she is somehow somehow infiltrating the ship to get some sort of information. It never happens. We don't see her sneaking around. I mean, there's no reason for us to think or to suspect. Going, this is actually going back to that Voyager episode we watched, Investigations, where uh-huh. they reveal that the the mole uh, is is the mole like in the first time we see him. Right? It's like the opposite, where he he they kick it off in the Voyager episode that he's doing bad stuff. But in this one, she never does anything bad. I mean, they reveal that she's got some sort of device and it was it was translating or recording the other the other convention people, whatever you want to call it, attendees. Uh, it was right. it was it was doing something bad. I got that device bad. And so that's how they found her out. But she never does anything. How is she manipulating um, Mayweather other than just getting on the ship? Well, yeah, I think that's I think that's what it was. She was she had the the inside advantage to get on the ship. Because she had a history with one of the crew members. Right. So, yeah. So that's how she was manipulating him to get on the ship. And, I mean, we didn't see it, but she was just – it seemed like she was just about to do her dirty work because he said, come on, you know, I'll give you a tour. And she was like, oh, no, I'm going to hang out hang back here and oh, yeah, fill in she, some notes or something. That's right. That's right. You're right. She does say um, – she does say, can I hang out here while you while you go on duty? That's right. Yeah. Just as he's leaving, they're at the door and they're like, you were about to do something bad. <laughs> right. That whole B-plot fell flat to me. And then in Terra Prime, the second the second part, I think it's all A-plot as far as I can tell. I mean, there's the lady spy stuff, 
but she's just in a cell the whole time. Right. Well, see, so what I'm wondering is, were there were there three plots in this episode? I kind of feel like there were. I guess the baby plot is kind of a plot or B or C plot. Well, because it definitely has. I mean, it's it's the instigator of everything, and it has a pretty intended to be emotional scene of a resolution at the end. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it is sort of the, the emotional thread throughout the entire thing. It is what's you're right. It is the inciting incident, but it doesn't really pop up that much. I mean, it does in that they're talking about it, but it has no effect on anything except for the characters themselves. So I guess that that, that might be the B plot. Well, unless you unless you want to say that the A plot in the first part or the B plot in the first part is the spy. And then the B plot in the second part is the baby because the, the spy and the baby are introduced in the first moments of the first one. But then the baby's not really addressed after they discover that it is it is genuinely to Paul and Trips, which is in like the, the beginning of the second act. Right. Um, and but then kind of they, they switch with the spy and the baby in the second one where T'Pol is hanging out with the baby and they're trying to make sure that the baby stays alive and, you know, they name the baby and all that kind of thing. But then the spy, I think there's like two scenes with her in jail. Right. And then there's right. the the final scene with her where, you know, he's saying we should catch up. Yeah, they they resolve that pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, and I was curious when I watched the second one first, what, what their history was, because they obviously had history and I had no idea okay so in the second so this happens a couple of times in the second part where archer does the star trek pace back and forth and because of the the premise of the show the the quarters are much tighter because the technology is not the space technology is not as good and so i think i I don't know who's who whose idea it is to do the star trek pace in these close quarters but scott bakula he's doing the pace but he like kind of has to hunch over and he doesn't uh-huh. have a lot of room to walk around. <laughs> right. And it's just super awkward <laughs> when he's trying to do that. Scott Bakula is a tall dude in general. Yeah, he always does kind of feel like he's hunched over in this show. Yeah. For some reason. Yeah. So speaking of the pacing thing, though, there was there was a scene where Malcolm goes to talk to you. Um, they never said it, but it's section 31. Is that right? I, Which part? I think it's section. So he, he says, you know, so Archer's like, I need you to go talk to an old friend to find out what's happening. And you know, oh, he goes right. to meet him in a dark alley. Right. Um, but, Deep throat. Right, right. But I'm specifically speaking to like the, the Star Trek pace. Um, uh, Malcolm is facing, he's, he's three quarters toward the camera and the section 31 guy is three quarters away. So we can kind of see his face and about halfway through the conversation, Malcolm like scoffs at him and takes two steps past him. And then the section 31 guy turns around and they've changed positions <sighs> So now section 31 is in the three quarters facing the camera and Malcolm is three quarters away and you can just kind of see a bit of his profile and knowing the Star Trek pace and kind of knowing about how like it's you know square square setting. They've got to make sure both people fit in the camera in the in the frame. It was literally to just add some movement and a bit of variety for right. this close secret scene like there was no camera change at all it was a single shot this is what happens when you have a secret rendezvous on a green screen set because (laughs) because obviously they were on like it looked like it was on a roof or something and i went back to just check to make sure i was right within 10 seconds he gives two different he asks uh malcolm asks two questions and the guy gives the same answer of it has something to do with this baby (laughs) 
<laughs> and like it was it was just a, a weird scripting moment and i don't know if he like forgot his line and he just repeated that moment or if it genuinely said like look every question you're asking me the answer has something to do with this baby <laughs> thought i was clear Right. Actually, it seemed kind of interesting, the idea of there being some kind of CIA in Starfleet. That right. sounds cool to me. Kind of like, uh, it sounds really cool, the, the concept that was introduced in Voyager of the time travel police. Uh, that's, that, that's what the Federation is uh, in the future. I want that to be a show. I don't know how it didn't spin off. It was so amazing. And I'm sure it didn't present as well as I'm remembering it, but that kind of stuff where... You take a premise like time tra- policing time travel. Like, I don't know if you know the, uh, the 90s movie Time Cop. Yeah, one of my favorites, Clark actually. Yeah. 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 So the the idea of the temporal police came up in DS9 in the Tribbles episode. Oh, interesting. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, that's kind of how they, they justified having to do everything. And I, I don't remember the time police being in Voyager, but it's a huge part of Enterprise. So we'll... Oh, good. Uh, that's exciting. Yeah. And actually, the, the, the two episodes before this in Enterprise, 19 and 20. Yeah. Or no, it's maybe 18 and 19. I'm kind of sad that we didn't land on one of those. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> they looked way more interesting to me. Just Even just yeah. looking at the, at the thumbnail. Yeah, the thing, the thing that I don't like about those, um, those two episodes is just that it doesn't take place in the Prime Universe, the Enterprise Universe, at all. There's nothing that happens. It's literally just... Hey, and this is what's happening in the mirror universe. Which I don't and even know what that means because I've never seen – I missed those episodes where they established those things. Oh. It plays a huge part of DS9 as well. So that will be that will be fun if we ever get to that, which I'm, you know, we will in the next 13 years, maybe next week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, so to, to kind of wrap things up with this episode, um, they, they save the day. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you really did not like this episode. <laughs> There's a couple of different scenes dedicated to Mayweather where – because he's the pilot, right? Right. And he pilots the the Enterprise. He pilots the shuttlecraft behind the comet so they can infiltrate the Mars base. Uh And there's one thing I want to say about this. And I understand the need to have a helmsman, right? Right. But there's no way that in this this future where we have spaceships that can fly around in space at warp speed that anybody would have any need to drive manually – there's, there's no way that a computer could not make quicker, faster decisions than a person. That's just, that's just the way it would be. You would, never, you, would, you would never leave it up to a human to, to do these things. There's no situation, right? And so I, I understand it's, kind of a, it's, it's an easy way to create tension where somebody's driving and they're looking like they're having a hard time and then they finally get it done, you know? Right. But there really is – I mean there, there shouldn't be a helmsman on these ships, especially with artificial intelligence and all this stuff that, that a computer would be way, but it's like self-driving cars. When that, when that technology matures, you will be doing yourself a disservice by manually driving because it will be, it will be so much better than you at driving. It will, by the time you, if, if you're about to have an accident, by the time you realize you're about to have an accident, the computer will have realized it and formulated two or three exit strategies to initiate Right. Well, yeah. And ideally at that point as well, the two cars are going to be communicating with each other. So they will be able to mutually right. determine the best the best action. Right. Or even um, if, a, if a kid walks into the street with a ball. Yeah. So that's just what I want. Because there's so much around that in all in all the shows. There's always some sort of piloting expertise that has to happen. Right. Like 
Riker has to pilot the the Enterprise manually at the, in the first episode or first or second episode yep. into yeah. the whatever. And it just like Paris is a super crazy great pilot. I'm like, you wouldn't need it. The computer would be so much better at this. Yeah. But I can also, you know, if the computers go offline, like what happened in this episode, like I feel like there does need to be a backup like that. I suppose, but these things are so it's like it's it's the same thing as if you're if your phone breaks, you can't manually check your email, right? It's all digital. Right. Yeah, well, yeah, I was kind of thinking that too. Like if the computers go offline, you can't see anything either. Exactly. Actually, is the is the view screen a glass like it is in um in the new movies? Well, yeah, it shouldn't be glass. Like that was established in Star Trek where they went back to San Francisco, where they made clear aluminum. Right. I think is what Transparent it was. Transparent aluminum. But I mean, it's 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 not just it's not just a TV. It actually is see through. They're seeing actual space. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I think it is both. Okay. Yeah. You know, for the same reason, you can like put things on screen and you don't have to switch monitors. Okay. So they they eventually they have this weird confrontation with with RoboCop and they try and shoot and RoboCop actually fires the thing and we're like oh god this is interesting he actually succeeds at the end and he's yeah. going to shoot he's going to shoot the federation and then it's off a little bit <laughs> yep. i'm like wait a minute and then chip i guess had fixed it to do that like at some point and it was unclear if he had if this was always going to happen this way because of what he did when he was fixing it or right. if if this was if he had just miraculously gotten up after being shot yeah that's that's how i took it because he was standing at the at the helm right you know or at the control panel that he did just move it i mean you move it a fraction of a degree and it's gonna be way off you're right yeah so like he he literally could have just tapped like right once and you know instead of being at 0.2 it was 0.21 yeah they probably could have jumped and it would have (laughs) would have made it go off a little bit right (laughs) right um, he just had to make sure he moved it into the ocean and not into, you know, the San Andreas fault. <laughs> and, oh, okay. So, so this whole last scene where they have RoboCop and all of his minions under cover by by gun, right? They've 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 beat them, right? Right. Archer has beaten RoboCop. Yes. And they starts monologuing. This is so. This is a great lesson for Archer. Stun everybody and ask questions later. Yeah. Shoot them. Yep. Get get yep. rid of the threat. Don't don't start talking to them because stuff like this happens. Yeah. And well, and he, you know, he said he grew up in a mine, so he was used to the lack of oxygen. Yeah. Um, and I so liked was, watching these two actors who <laughs> didn't really care about pretending like it was sort of it was sort of what you see like 10 year olds doing when they're doing the same kind of <laughs> role playing. I can't like, breathe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was at that level. Right. That's what. Uh, so um, one of the one of the fun little Easter eggs that was in this episode. Um, I mentioned it earlier. He Paxton is diagnosed with Taggart's syndrome and Taggart is, um, uh, Weller's character's name in Babylon five. Oh, is that on purpose? It must've been obviously. Yeah. 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 It'd be one of the so. greatest coincidences ever. If it wasn't on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> he comes back and he's like, you know, uh, Taggart was the name of my character on Babylon five. They're like, what? Yeah. what? <laughs> Uh, well, that whole thread just, I thought that was going to be a whole thing. I thought that was the, first of all, in the second episode where they reveal that, where he, when T'Pol reveals that, I was like, this must be the first time that we're hearing about this because it was, it was kind of a reveal. Right. And then when, in the first part, he injects himself once because he's obviously sick. That just goes away. That never comes back until T'Pol confronts him about it. Right. 
why not put more st- that's way more interesting well and, and and it's just brushed away by you know the people who've had ideals often don't hold you know don't themselves live up to it right it seemed like this was a rushed script for being two episodes yeah which is interesting too because well there there were some great character moments i felt with travis um and and trip and to paul had a good had a couple of good scenes so the baby doesn't survive right um and it's originally believed that it's it's proof that um, Vulcans and humans cannot are, are not a genetic match. But Flocks does a little bit more digging, and he realizes that the the creation of the baby there was a mistake in the actual combining of the genes. And did they uh, say Phlox, cloning? I don't think they did. No, is that because that's that's how they were able to create the baby? They took genetic material from those two people. And yeah, but I don't think it was ever said like where they got the genetic material from and how they made the baby. There's a moment where they said that um, every every ship has genetic material of every crew. Oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah, and I actually talked about that about the com badge in investigations. So right. it's nice to know that I was right. Um, <laughs> By the way, the com badge. So tell me if I'm wrong. It seems like this is the only expression of the com badge where if you're called. It's it's just a beep, like a, like a ringtone, as opposed to just an automatic initiation of a channel. Does that happen in any other of the shows? Any other of the shows? What does that mean? Any of the other shows? Any of the other shows? Yeah. I don't. I don't think so. I don't know. I guess let's keep an eye out for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, it happens at the doors. The brand. Where... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's early, okay? That's funny. Um, no, yeah. when, when people yeah. come to doors, you know, they do the little... So I have a question. So was Archer's ending speech slow clap worthy? No. Well, and again, like, I think it absolutely has to do with delivery as well. Because I think, I don't think that Scott Bakula can deliver a rousing speech. He does it with modesty and humility. Um, even when he's trying to be passionate, there's, you know, there's just this level of, like, there, there's something about... Scotty, I don't know what it is, but um, Scotty B, but he he doesn't he doesn't inspire. It's not something that would would require like everybody kind of standing there in awe, and then right. one person is finally like clapping, and everybody's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, we should all clap!" Like that was amazing. It was one of those where when he was done, everyone would give a nice like, "Yay, good job!" You know, that was a nice speech. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like a golf clap, not a standing ovation. Right. No. No, yeah, like again, he he does not rouse that level of passion in people when he speaks. It was kind of boilerplate content, right? You know? Like it just yeah. it didn't it didn't care. Maybe I was just no. so done with it by this point. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, I think that overall this was a good story, but it wasn't fleshed out enough. And I think that there, I I, I don't feel like this was a Star Trek episode. Uh, oh no 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 no! I take that back. I feel like the the baby part was absolutely Star Trek. Um, yes, that felt Star Trek. I liked that it was a moon colony that had to move to the Mars colony. That was interesting to me. That that was that had some science fiction in it. Yeah, and there was a B plot, and the B plot certainly related to the A plot, and it, it had some emotional development, at least for Chip Trip right Chip, and so I, I felt like that was I guess makes it eligible. Yeah, but there so. I don't feel like the bases being on the moon and Mars were integral to the plot. Like they could easily have been Germany and China with nuclear missiles. And it would right. have had the same same level of distance, same level of impact. Right. Yeah. Th- this whole thing could have been, I mean, it obviously is a an analog to World War II. 
right or something right. like that or right yeah uh, I wonder cleansing. I wonder if this was going to be a much longer a much longer arc for maybe season five or something like that and they found out that they weren't going to have a season five and they said well we, we really like this storyline let's try and do it in a two-parter and all they did was water it down to the point of incoherentness right and I I think I feel like I did read that that it was going to be a a series arc um and then it, it wasn't necessarily written but it was going to be a series arc and then when they found out that there wasn't going to be a season five they decided to condense it down to an an episode and expanded it out to two especially with the guy with the the green screen rendezvous guy right they, that felt like it was going to be, there was going to be more with that character and that that sort of partnership i guess well there had been previously and I think that it was going to be kind of one of those things where, you know, they, I try to get out, but they keep pulling me back in, especially when he said, like, this this means that you're a part of us now, you know, or like right. you agree to our terms or whatever he said. Um, right. And then nothing comes of that again. Yeah. So the the last scene with the baby um, or, you know, with the, the baby not surviving where T'Pol and Trip are in her room and, you know, they're talking about how there's going to be some kind of a, a little service for the baby. Um, and Paul tells, tells him that, you know, Hey, the, the baby, um, that we, uh, this, this baby who's dead, I, I named her after your sister who's dead, but this scene was actually filmed right after trip. The actor, um, learned that his wife was going to have a baby. So, so it was like way more emotional for him. Um, and those, those feelings were a lot more genuine because, he just kind of learned that he was going to be a father and he was now filming a scene where the baby didn't survive. Yeah, it felt good. I Once again, I have to, I don't know, I, I don't I don't see Jolene Blaylock. Blaylock. I don't see her. I, I just didn't buy it. I didn't. I, maybe maybe I don't know whose fault that is either. I don't know if it's the writing or the direction or her fault, but I just it doesn't emote. It's right. just her staring off in, into the distance, you know, being stoic. Yeah. And and. There's got to be a way, I, and maybe there isn't when you're playing a Vulcan, right? But I, there's got to be a way that you can emote in a different way than like Trip was. Trip was was emoting it like it was good, and so I thought Flocks did a good job in you know in that scene where he kind of he takes a little bit of ownership of the kid too, right? Um, and I I didn't I, I don't know I just didn't feel it. I felt like Chip was giving her so much to work with, right? Just mm-hmm. give give her something. Give her something that that shows that she cares about Trip, like right. a hug or something. But he puts her hand on his, or is, or is the other way around? No, yeah, I think she did reach for him, and he squeezed her hand. Okay, yeah, okay. I guess that's okay. I don't know. I just, it, it, I didn't feel it. It didn't emote it, to me. Yeah, from her side, I gotcha. So wait, is it a Star Trek episode? Do we need to have something be integral to the a plot, or does it need to be integral to a plot? <laughs> Oh, that was good. That was great. We could end right there if you want. It just, I think we decided it has to be integral to the A plot. It, it kind of, yeah. But wait, the baby was in, inter, integral, integral to the to the A plot. Okay, the baby story. Well, no, you're right. You're right. Okay, yeah. This I was this was a Star Trek episode. Yeah, technically a Star Trek episode. It's sort of light on the uh, on the sci fi for me. What are you going to do? They used a comet. That was interesting. That was clever. Yep. I like that. I mean, they had bases on the moon and Mars, and they they had a space beam that shot from the sky and landed into the ocean. You know, that's <laughs> pretty intense. They had aliens. I, I, at the I would have preferred to know how they did that. 
that that would have been a good Star Trek moment to, to, for Trip to give us a little bit of insight as to how he made them miss by a little bit. That's something that Jordy would have would have definitely told us, right? I did this and that, and it made it off by one and a half millimeters, which made it off by several hundred thousand miles, <laughs> and it missed. Oh, see, and I, I kind of like that it wasn't explained. You know, it was just he's the engineer. He he'd been tinkering with it this whole time, and he just moved it by you know a fraction of a degree and. Nobody noticed because it was a fraction of a degree. Right, but you just gave way more information than he gave us. And he just said, I bet your chip had something to do with that. You're sure right, Captain. End of scene. Right? That, <laughs> and like, that's not enough. Right? That's Deus Ex Machina territory. Three roll credits. Right. 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 <laughs> if they froze right there, <laughs> like mid-high five. Yeah. Uh, so good. <laughs> but no, that didn't happen. Right. So yeah, but it's it's light, so I guess but we're going to we're going to let it in. Yeah. Yeah. So this this was this was Star Trek. Again, it was it was decent. Like I would not say this is one of the the best episodes. It's one of the better ones we've seen so far, but Yeah. Well, let's see so what we're going to watch next. Yeah. The original series, season 2, episode 9, Metamorphosis. Original air date November 10th, 1967. Okay. The Enterprise crew members encounter a mysterious energy cloud that pulls them down to planet Gamma Canarsis N where they meet a castaway. Ooh. See, they don't spoil it. They don't spoil it. They're not going to say 